Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 4, Life After Death. Mary, what happened this week? Brandon speaks at Josh's memorial service. I've decided this can't be Josh's funeral because his parents aren't even there. His sister is, but we'll get to her. Chancellor Arnold loved what Brandon said. Brandon didn't love it so much, though. After spending some time with Josh's sister, Gloria, Brandon begins to feel guilty about how much he used to hate Josh. What doesn't help any of that is the fact that Brandon's the acting president for now, but not the actual president. The rules of succession are unclear, and Alex wants to delegitimize Brandon's assumption of the role. Kelly has no idea what she can say that will make Brandon feel better, And you know that thing that Steve does where he needs Brandon to bail him out of trouble? Also, Gloria gave Brandon Josh's blue sweater, and he isn't entirely sure that isn't weird. Brandon has a good conversation with Nat where he reveals he's having feelings of survivor's guilt and more regular guilt about not having been a better friend to Josh. Luckily, Kelly got some Brandon advice from Andrea and now knows that all he needs is love right now. Kelly tells Brandon she'll be there for him whether he needs someone to listen or just be beside him in silence. And then, right before she leaves for New York, Gloria drops by to give Brandon a touching letter that Josh wrote the day before he died in which he tells his family what a great friend he had found in Brandon Walsh. Heartbreaking. Like, I'm a little sad that this story didn't follow my prediction from last time where, like, Brandon was going to deal with his grief by talking to Dylan. Mm-hmm. But I do really appreciate that, like, basically all that happened in this episode to Brandon was that he had to work through this traumatic experience and, like, process his feelings. Like, I really appreciate that. Yeah, it kind of actually reminded me of the um, – forget the actual name of the episode, but the Mr. Pony episode with Brenda where she got mugged yeah. and she they show her actually going to therapy and stuff. Um, it was like, it's one of those situations where you definitely like in a teen drama, you have so many dramatic and angsty things. You don't like you'd, you'd end up spending more time in therapy (laughs) and in these kind of traumatic situations. But every once in a while, it is nice to see the characters actually working through some of this stuff, because as we all know, the show handles a lot of like intense stuff. So it would only make sense that either a everything would eventually be too much for them. And then B, that they would have to show some signs of grief at some point. Yeah. (laughs) Once you mentioned therapy, I remembered the part where Brandon goes to see Kelly because he doesn't want to be alone at night, but he doesn't want to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And she's fallen asleep under her psychology book. And he's like, maybe psychology's boring. I was like, oh, Brandon wouldn't go to therapy, would he? (laughs) No, probably not. Although I could see him like, I don't know, like going to the gym and maybe wanting Deshaun to play basketball with him or, or, you know, trying to work out his feelings that way. I could see him do that, but we didn't see that here. But at least we saw him at least, you know, kind of talking through it a little bit, admitting he's not okay, like some some good signs of working through it. Yeah, but I mean, like that's honestly, that's like the last thing we see is I wonder, what are the five stages of grief? Denial. Anger. uh, Anger. anger, Depression. Something depression. 
bar there's bargaining i think at one point yeah bargaining yeah. depression and acceptance yeah yeah i was just like i had this thought cuz the end of brandon's story is when we see him finally say like no i'm not okay mm-hmm. and so i was just wondering like i didn't pay attention to it during the episode but maybe he does like kind of go through the stages of grief and i just wasn't paying attention i mean he kind of does like he starts out obviously kind of in the denial stage but he has to give the eulogy so even after the eulogy you know he which it looks like this is just maybe a memorial that they held on campus or something like that because mary pointed out his parents weren't there um but like the chancellor the dean the keg some of the keg guys all the gang obviously jim and cindy some guys from the other political parties i guess you could say like they had to come listen to brandon's eulogy that he didn't necessarily feel like he should be giving not only because he had this kind of like um imposter syndrome where maybe he's like I-, I didn't even really know him that well but also like kind of in disbelief that josh was gone yeah i mean i, I had the exact same thought i was like oh we're going right into a eulogy why is brandon giving a eulogy at the funeral and then yeah like i was like it's got to be a college memorial you know there's no reason <laughs> that it would be a funeral and then post memorial like he's this is when he's like talking to the chancellor but you see andrea talking to alex diaz and then coming over to see him and he's just like why are you talking to him mm-hmm. yeah it's like andrea's trying to be like hey man you got to be a little diplomatic now that you're the president and like have to work with these people but brandon's still kind of this is kind of when we start to bleed into the anger portion of grief where i think he's just like well now i got to deal with the fact that i'm president and i got to deal with the fact that just like a day ago me and Alex Diaz did not get along (laughs) yeah I kind of wonder maybe it's like they like bleed into each other because he does the denial a couple of times he's like I don't want to be president I don't want to do this like Mm -hmm. I don't want to do these things pretty much because they all remind him of Josh and they are all because of Josh and like Mm -hmm. Brandon doesn't think he earned them and throughout the entire episode like the chancellor is talking him back into it Andrea is talking him back into it Yeah, and then even we see Gloria, which is Josh's older sister. She's been at the memorial. She approaches Brandon and then just kind of says, like, you know, I'm going to be going through his things in his dorm room if you want to swing by to grab anything just to remember him by, um, you know, then by all means, come do so. And you can tell Brandon's, like, kind of weirded out by it. And I also think that's a bit of denial because he's just like, why would I do this? Like, I don't I don't want to do this. And then, you know, she walks away and then he makes this comment like, oh, she walks just like Josh, which I also thought was a little bit weird. I thought it was weird. And then like before that, you know, she comes up to him and thanks him for what he said. And he's like, oh, I didn't know Josh that well. Yeah. And then and then he's like, she walks just like Josh. Yeah, it's again, maybe it's just like this kind of confusing time for Brandon to be like. I I shouldn't have this responsibility. I didn't even know him, but also coming to terms with the fact that he, because later in the episode, he says like he wishes he would have apologized for treating him so badly because he ended up liking him. So maybe it's kind of that juxtaposition of like, I don't know him, but I like him, but I didn't tell him. So I feel weird about it. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's a lot of like, I don't want to use the word unfinished business, but like Mm kind of unfinished business. Yeah. Because, I mean, 
So Steve and Kelly come over. They say there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And then Steve tells Brandon to come to a frat party. And that's like kind of something that picks up later. But he, Brandon does end up going over to Josh's dorm room where Gloria is wrapping things up and she keeps calling him Joshua. And like there's one of their campaign posters on the wall, which Mm -hmm. means that Josh had pictures of Brandon up on the wall. And then, like, we find out later that he thinks that they were really good friends. And it's just, like, I think, like, coming to terms with that of, like, your own emotions and then, like, seeing this part of somebody's life where you're just, like, oh, they actually, like, really cared about me. Right. I mean, but what was interesting, though, is, like, even in this discussion, Gloria's, like, and I think it's mostly because he apparently didn't call a lot and to his family in New York. But she also says that Josh never mentioned Brandon, which I guess later we find out, oh, Josh really did mention Brandon in his letter. But I just thought it was weird. He's like, got this poster. He thinks they're like really good friends. They're running mates and all this. And his sister's like, yeah, he didn't really mention you. And I'm like, okay, are we trying to make a point here? Or is this like an actual like, whoops, by the writers? You know what I mean? It was very interesting of like, I don't know, maybe a relationship that, like, neither of them just really talked about. Like, it's weird trying to make friends as an adult, which I think – Oh, 100%. Like, now I'm just like, I don't know how to make friends. I was a little better about it in college, but, like, a little. It's weird. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And even, like, when Gloria is like, oh, if you want to take something of his to remember and then gives him a sweater, which – is actually very sentimental, and I appreciate that. But they make it seem like it's not. Well, and to be honest, I don't know that I would want a piece of clothing. Like, I would have maybe wanted a memento of some sort. Like, just not clothing. I mean, if if this were, like, a romantic relationship, then... I think I would have been more inclined to take like a piece of clothing because like maybe it still smells like them or something like that. But I think if if I were Brandon, I think it would have been cool to have like, I don't know, a piece Josh had written or maybe he had like a lucky pen or something like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something like off the cuff that's sentimental, but it's like it has more meaning to their relationship. A sweater to me if I were Brandon, wouldn't mean anything, but something that like maybe from when Josh was interviewing him all the time or the campaign, like, I I, I don't know. I'm maybe he wrote a, cons- I, I don't know. I don't know. But some, something else. Leave me your sweaters when you die. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are in a romantic relationship, so it only makes sense. <laughs> right. I mean, later Kelly does call it knitwear. And I was like, I feel like that makes it more sentimental to me, calling it knitwear over a sweater. (laughs) Which, speaking of, like, that's, like, that's the next thing with Brandon is he leaves Gloria's, or I guess Josh's dorm where Gloria was, eventually shows up to the apartment looking for Kelly. And she fell asleep studying, and Brandon is now definitely in kind of, like, the anger stage. Like, he just, he thinks he wants to be alone, but then Brandon, like, or I'm sorry, Kelly, like, brings up the fact that maybe you should talk to Dylan because he knows what you're going through. And he that just sets him off. He's like, you know, I thought I wanted to be alone, but I really don't. Or, or I wanted to talk to somebody, but I really don't. Yeah. And, like, that's it. He says, like, I don't want to go to bed, but I don't want to be alone. And 
you know, Kelly brings it up later in the episode that she didn't handle Dylan's dad dying very well when they were together and she doesn't know what to do this time. And I do feel like if Brandon says, I don't want to go to bed, but I don't want to be alone, then like, yeah, maybe you like play a board game or like do something to like try and get his mind off of it for at least a little bit so that he can relax. Because like to me, when he showed up at the beach apartment, he looked really out of it and just like kind of in a daze and like mm-hmm. just not himself. And then, yeah, he tells Kelly, he was like, that could have been me. Kelly's like, oh, that's what Dylan said when his dad died. And then Brandon gets mad at her and leaves. Yeah. Which I like, I can't really fault Brandon here because I feel like that's a very common reaction to not what you want to hear. And whether or not, you know, you should get mad, it's is a different thing, but it's very natural for both parties, one to either like not know what to say or do, and the other to like be a little testy when it comes to whatever that person does say or do, because you don't know what you want. You just know what you don't want when it happens. Right. So it's just, they, they did the scene well. I mean, it was yeah pretty relevant and pretty relatable. Yeah. And I mean, I really, you know, I think it's very interesting that, you know, he storms out and the next day Kelly is on campus talking to Andrea about how Dylan shut her out and turn, turned to Brenda she asks Andrea what what she's supposed to do, and Andrea is even like, "You're talking about the Brandon I knew in high school. Like, we're not those kids anymore." Mm-hmm. And then and I then, think she says like something I never thought she would say is like, "She's like, I wish Mrs. Teasley could just fix everything." <laughs> when she said that, I was like, "Is Mrs. Teasley in this episode?" Yeah, can we get her back too? <laughs> and then they like, I it's another one of those. I kind of feel like things when you say the wrong thing but like nobody really acted like it was the wrong thing because Kelly's like oh, I remember Dylan you know shut her out and like turned to Brenda essentially mm-hmm. and Andrea's like yeah what if Brenda was here with her three scoops of ice cream which is Brenda mentioned number one yep and also like <laughs> when you're talking to your boyfriend maybe don't bring up your ex-boyfriend when you're talking to a girl maybe don't bring up her like ex-best friend who she like cheated on her boyfriend with yeah exactly like but the angle was right (laughs) like yeah we need a a tall order of ice cream here three scoops please and to be fair like brandon should talk to brenda they're twins totally prime twin talk time if only i miss it i do too but yeah andrea ends up just basically saying what everybody ends up saying if you're giving advice to somebody who's trying to figure out how to help somebody, it's just just be there. Just love him. Just be there for him. That's all you can do because they don't really know what they want. So just be there and that they'll they'll appreciate that. Yeah, which like she, you know, even follows her own advice and ends up going to see Brandon for his first Senate meeting because – that's when Diaz walks in and Andre is like, oh, yeah, no, we talked about this. Like, you are going to have to get along with, you know, the other people in the party and like trying to be rational in an in, in trying to be rational in an irrational moment. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, Diaz just walks in and is like, I'm challenging the legitimacy of your presidency. Yeah, he like 
kind of sort of almost brings up the bylaws or whatever it is that they have. <laughs> and it's like, you're not the active president, you're the acting president. And also, side note, when Brandon walks in, Boomy makes an appearance. Oh, shit. I missed him. <laughs> he was in the top left corner. Cause it oh, was like, he even wanted to come say hi. He was like, Brandon, how you doing? Yeah, he's like, I'm here for you, buddy. But it was like, because the angle of the shot in the Senate room or, or the room where the Senate meeting was taking place was like kind of at a lower angle. So it was almost like from table to door. And so it was like they needed to adjust it so that they could get the camera up to where when Brandon was walking in and he just didn't get out of the way in time. <laughs> oh, he just wanted to be a part. He was like, it's Brandon's first Senate meeting. I have to be here. <laughs> I need a front row seat. Uh, and I mean, like, yeah, front row seat, get the popcorn ready because I tried to write down everything Diaz said. I didn't get all of it, but it was like the rules of succession are not clear and have never been challenged. And yeah. then he says, tell it to a judge. And I want nothing more than for this to go to court. Yeah. I I don't remember where I wrote it down, but it was like, I think I wrote down at one point, do they have court? <laughs> like, Please. Please. Like, like, I know there's, like, a disciplinary committee probably or, like, somebody who upholds the code of conduct, but for student government, is there a judicial branch? <laughs> I – there needs to be. I'm like, oh, I'm just picturing, like, Chancellor Arnold or the dean or something is the head of it and then yep. people challenge it because they've got – uh, you know, previous relationship with Brandon, so they have to step down, and it's all this other heightened drama of like, <laughs> who is going to be the third party person to hear the blah blah blah. God, yeah, Brandon's too in with the dean too. The dean, then, the dean would have to recuse himself, and then Jesse represents Brandon. Oh yes, oh. courtroom drama. Infection. Oh, man. That would be awesome. Law and Order 90210. Jum, jum. Da-na-na-na. Da-na-na-na. Jum, jum. I love that so much. It's the crossover fanfic I didn't know I needed. God, we have so many crossover fanfics or just fanfics in general. When No time to write them all. But they practically write themselves. They write themselves. Like, they jump out on the page. We can't say no to them. We literally can't. I, oh. I do feel like I'm an ideas man, like walking around, like, come up with an idea, come up with an idea. Law and Order meets Beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been on long enough. I bet they crossed over, like, not like legitimately, but years wise. Oh, I'm sure, like, even 90210 actors have been on Law and Order at some point. I'm sure. It's the mother load. Everyone's been on the mother load. <laughs> after, after Alex challenges Brandon he like turns to Andrea with a very like I told you so attitude storms out ends up at the peach pit where he tells Nat he feels like he doesn't have any friends and Nat's just like I've literally counted you have six <laughs> I know I was like are we trying to be sarcastic here Nat because you shouldn't <laughs> this man is grieving right like but then Nat also brings up Dylan and mm -hmm. is like, hey, you remember like Dylan's gone through some shit too. And then Brandon was like, you know who else has gone through some shit? You. What's it feel like to be dying? I thought that was an interesting situation because this was all wrapped up in like 
Brandon's survivor's guilt, right? Like he's like, it could have been me. It probably should have been me, like all this stuff. But then it's like he gets a little, um, what's the word I want to use here? It's that thing of when you feel it's like out of body, but like not out of body. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is like, he gets a little like, what's the thing? God, I can't, I can't figure out what I'm trying to say. It's like the, the thing you're not necessarily in heaven. You're not in hell. You're not in purgatory. It's the limbo. No, sure. Afterlife. Here we go. He gets a little afterlifey because he's like, Trying to figure out what happened when Nat... Existential. Existential. Yes. That is 100% the word I was looking for. Afterlifey is my favorite synonym for it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) I love that. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, glad to have brought you some entertainment because I was struggling. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) Well, Brandon gets a little existentialist here because he's trying to figure out, like, well, what happens when you do die or when you almost die? Like, you know, he kind of, when you're saying at the beach apartment, he was kind of out of it. Now it's like he's a little introspective. That's another word I could use was like introspective about it too, because he's like, well, hang on. If it was supposed to be me, what would it have been like, you know? And he's still in kind of that weird space where he just is like, I I don't know what to do. And like, yeah, it's very like, when you're confronted with death, you really start thinking about like, okay, well, what happens after you die? Yep. Because that's essentially, you know, what he asks Nat about. He's like, what were you thinking while we were doing these chest compressions on you? And Nat's like, well, I remember I wasn't ready to go. And apparently the man upstairs agreed, which is like the opposite of what Brandon wanted to hear. Or maybe like it didn't even matter what he heard. Brandon is like going through so much. He was just going to get angry about it anyway. Because he says, like, does that mean the man upstairs had something against Josh? Like, why him and not me? Exactly. It's like there's no real great way to answer that question. I don't know that it mattered. Yeah, it's like these are like philosophical questions that like I can't – I can't answer. Brandon can't answer. Like no one can answer this. And I mean not even just as like you need to eat something and it's going to take time to deal with your feelings. Like – Hmm. I don't have an answer for you. Right. I wish I did, but I don't. Yeah, and I guess Brandon sort of like takes a bite or whatever. Um, he also mentions that he and Dylan aren't really on good terms, which we know this, but we, you know, I feel like it's not necessarily just because of Dylan's drinking and things like that. It's kind of been in the works since the whole Lucinda stuff. Hmm. But I mean. It's been in the works since season one of this show. Well, that's fair. They're very Kelly and Brenda. Um, But it just shows you, like, I guess Steve is still technically his best friend, but because we haven't seen a lot of Brandon and Steve, just because we haven't seen a lot of Steve lately, it does kind of, like, I can kind of understand what Brandon's saying. Like, I don't feel like I have friends. He's got his girlfriend. But think about it. His best friend was kind of Brenda. And she's gone, too. Yeah, when you said, like, yeah, I guess Steve is his best friend and, you know, mentioning that, like, he and Dylan haven't really been close since Lucinda, like, I guess you could say that, like, Brandon kind of disappears inside the relationships that he's in. Yeah, definitely. 
So, so I can yeah, understand like, him not feeling really close to like one of his boys anymore because Steve is like all into the frat and stuff and Dylan is obviously having his own struggles. So and then his actual probably best friend Brenda is all the way in London. So he's got Kelly, which is great, but they weren't best friends before they started dating. Well, and he's like he's already tried to go to Kelly yeah. in this experience and like it didn't work out and when you know, you're feeling all these feelings. You're not necessarily rational. You think you don't have any friends. Like, mm-hmm. you you are probably going to keep going down the line, which I guess is technically what he does because he does go to the frat party to see Steve. Right. He shows up. There's some Steve stuff in there, which I guess we can talk about or not. All it was was that Steve didn't know – like, Steve was acting like he didn't know there was alcohol in the hunch punch. <laughs> like – at first, you think he's being serious, but then you're like, no, no, no. He definitely knew. He probably put it in there. <laughs> oh, I think he was drunk when he was like, there's alcohol in this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But – and he even asked about, like, where Valerie is and because she said she was going to go with Brandon. And anyway, so that doesn't matter. But Brandon sees Kelly. They kind of meet up. And that's when Kelly finally gets to, like, tell him that she's there for him. You know, if he wants to talk, but if he doesn't want to talk, that's totally okay, too. And he even gets, like, a small, soft smile on his face and is like, that was perfect. Like, that's exactly what I needed. And it's sweet. And I think I often take Jason Priestley for granted just because of how ridiculous Brandon can be. Yeah. But I was like, this feels like a genuine moment right here between Brandon and Kelly. And I really enjoyed it. Well, and, like... You know, we've talked about how they have chemistry before and, you know, Jason Priestley didn't just get Brandon because he looks like Jason Priestley. Like, right. they cast him for a reason and we can, you know, sit here and be like, oh, all Brandon does is yell and be, you know, too big for his britches. But, like, he's still, there's a reason he's the main character. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, like... The party, like, immediately comes crashing down on him because drunk frat pledge and months go, like, running outside and screaming about beer. So campus security shows up. Steve starts freaking out, ends up bringing Brandon out with him, and Brandon's just like, hi, I am the president of the student body. I came here myself (laughs) to break up the party. Which, that's a great cover. (laughs) I would never have thought about it, and Uh it works. Yeah, that was a wonderful, like, last-minute come up with an excuse for why I'm here, but also, like, how do we get out of this? (laughs) Yeah, and, like, Brandon doesn't drink. Right. Presumably, sometimes he does, but, like, presumably he's not drinking. Like, he just showed up. He has, like, a pretty good reason to be like, no, no, I'm breaking this party up. And, like, yeah, (laughs) bail Steve out of trouble again. Once again. Yep. Always. Just constantly get Steve out of trouble. That is (sighs) – I just need Steve to have a meaningful storyline. You could wish. Yeah. But not yet. Probably not anytime soon. Yep. And then – I guess it's the next day. I don't totally understand 
like the passage of time in this episode. Um, but the next time we see Brandon, he's talking to the chancellor who's like kind of re-explaining what's happening to be like, you're basically a lame duck president, but like don't resign. And then they start talking about how Claire is really fond of him. Yeah, it was like a weird segue into like, well, how are you and Claire? And Brandon's like, um, there is me and Claire. But yeah, Claire's cool. And he's like, yeah, you know, she's really fond of you. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, she cool. She's uh, roommates with my girlfriend now, which I don't think he actually says that. But I, I think he s- says something about where she's living. But it's like it's basically serving as a segue to the next scene that Claire is in. Yeah. Which like I get it in a story <laughs> sense. But when you're just trying to talk about what's happening with Brandon and then like a tertiary character shows up and is like, hey, so how's Claire? I'd be like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, that was out of left field, my man. Like, I'm sorry, can we focus on me? Right. Like, But yeah, then Brandon goes home. Um, he's at the Walsh house now. He's got, he's laying on his bed. Um, he has these flashbacks and memories of like right before Josh died. Um, and Cindy comes up to say that uh, somebody's here to see him. It's it's Gloria again. She says that she got a letter from Josh and that he wrote it the day before he died and they just got it. And then he starts to read it to Kelly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a letter all about the election and like he doesn't know if they've won or not. But even if he loses, he's made this new friend, Brandon Walsh, and like cares so much about him. And like, the the thing that really stood out to me was when Cindy comes in to tell him that Gloria's there and she asks him, like, are you all right? And he finally says no and, like, is literally just no. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not okay. Like, it's not – there's no arguing. There's no, like, I don't want to be alone, but I don't want whatever you have to give me. It's just, like, I'm not okay. And then mm-hmm. he reads the letter and decides, like, you know – acceptance like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna be president for josh yeah and it like really sucks for brandon because it's kind of that thing where he never got a chance to tell josh that he was wrong about him he never got a chance to i guess really like put a lot into this friendship because it's very clear obviously by the letter that josh was really invested in this friendship and he was really excited about it and so Man, I could I could just totally feel for Brandon here because it's like that's the thing you never want to happen is things left unsaid or stones left unturned or whatever, you know, the case may be. But and the, he does the only thing he, you know, kind of thinks he can do, which is not give up the presidency, presidency without a fight for Josh. So. So he's going to honor his memory well, I think. I think so. I'll be, you know, really interested to see what happens. Like, I do still really want Law & Order 90210 just (laughs) because, like, that sounds like really fun TV for me. Um, And, like, you know, we give Brandon shit all the time about, like, doing all this stuff and going to meet the president and being like, I don't even want to get into politics. And then now he's the president of the student body without wanting to be in politics. But, like, He's doing it for Josh, so I'm not actually mad about it. No, I'm not mad either. And plus, like, let's be real. It fits Brandon. Like, 
whether or not he wanted to do any of these things, it still fits him, so he's going to be good at it. It's not the president anybody wanted, but maybe it's the president they deserve. <laughs> exactly. Well, <sighs> Mary, what else happened this week? Well, you pretty much already covered Steve, so I'm going to read the three sentences I have about him and Perfect. then probably move on. <laughs> I like it. Steve throws a party and the cops come and Brandon gets him out of trouble. Also, Val doesn't come to the party, so Steve was sad. But then she met up at the blah, blah, blah. I can't speak. <laughs> but then she met up with him at the peach pit and he was happy again. <laughs> Poor Steve. Like, seriously. That's all he gets. <laughs> I have no okay, way. Yeah. Felice is, like, obsessed with Donna finding a rich husband, but Donna doesn't have time for dating because she's focusing on school. Even so, Felice has scheduled a tea date with some mom she knows and her son, Garfield or something. Maybe it's <laughs> Gerald. Who cares? Donna reluctantly agrees. While setting up Steve's party at the keg house, Donna views a cute guy from afar. Kelly informs her that he's Griffin Stone, and he's been in Spain for a year, because why not if you can, I guess? Later, at the party, Donna, with Kelly's help, gets to meet and dance with Griffin Stone all night long. Turns out he doesn't have any problems with her being a good Catholic girl, despite his smooth talk and double entendres. Can't tell if they're intentional. When it's time for mom-kid tea dating... Donna is surprised to find that Griffin was the mysterious G name her mom forgot all along. They ditch tea to go to the beach and have a really fun time. Also, Donna got to show off her new man in front of David, so that's a nice little bonus. And, like, I've been very clear in my dislike of David, but I feel like Donna, so far, appears to have traded up. Yeah, I like Griffin so far. I mean, I'm not going to hold my breath because it's a teen drama. But I do like Griffin. He's He is charming. So you got that yeah. going for him. Yeah, like on the list, I still have Deshaun at number one. Oh, yeah. Then Griffin. And then like David's down at like number six. <laughs> and like truly all Griffin has to do is like not do meth and not cheat on her. <laughs> And he'll already be better. That's it. It's a low bar, my friends. It's a low bar. I know. But yeah, so we start off at Donna is at the Martin house. And Felice immediately gives Donna crap for not doing her own laundry. But it's like classic college kid, right? Like I'm coming home to do laundry. So just get off her back. And then she's like, boy, I hope you marry a rich man to handle the lifestyle you wish to acquire or some elevated language that she says. I didn't I didn't write it down. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, you better marry a very rich man so he can support you in the manner to which you become accustomed to which, which? is literally <laughs> which is literally, yeah, a college kid bringing her laundry home and then just being like, hey, when you go to the dry cleaners, can you take these three dresses with you? Right. Like. Anywho, she wants she so yeah, it's very clear Felice wants Donna to marry a rich white man. She doesn't explicitly say it, but let's be real. We know that's what she I wants. Mean, she kind of explicitly said it two episodes ago. <laughs> True, we know exactly. what a good family means, Felice. Ugh, Felice Navi <laughs> dod my ass. Anyway, that's a bad joke. 
<laughs> I love it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so yeah, she wants this little mother daughter son tea date thing. Who's in this guy is a junior at CU. She says, okay, and I wrote this quote down because like. It was a. She's putting on a little too thick here. She's like, he's handsome, very bright, comes from a very good family, and he's very special, very good looking. Like you already said, he's handsome. Get like, do you want to date him? (laughs) And I feel like if you say it twice, you're automatically like you're compensating for something. What's wrong? And also, if you know all these things about him, how do you not know his name? Oh my gosh, freaking Felice, man. Can't with her. Yeah, like. You know, I guess it's this whole thing of, like, Donna decided not to be a Deb, but her mom is like, oh, but I can still, like, essentially do all the same things without dressing you up in party dresses and, like, parading you around. I'll just do it on a much smaller scale with fat-free muffins that are to die for. (laughs) Ugh. (laughs) I was like, just have a muffin. Just have one regular muffin. (sighs) But, uh... We see, you know, Donna a couple of times with Claire, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and then we see her at the keg house getting ready for the party with Kelly. And so when Kelly was, like, scooping that dip into a bowl, did it look like guacamole to you? So, I mean, I genuinely thought it was just because I couldn't think of anything else it could have been with the tortilla chips because it was too chunky to be queso but to not red to be salsa. (laughs) So I was like, it has to be guac. (laughs) So at first I was thinking uh, onion dip. Oh, like a French onion dip or something? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It didn't look like guacamole to me. It didn't. And then, like, she was scooping it out of, like, an industrial-sized mayonnaise jar. And it kind (laughs) of, like, poured. Yeah. It looked like um, salad dressing to me. Like the green kind. Oh, yeah. Like that creamy yeah. green color thing. Like, but, like the green goddess? Yeah. But it had like the texture of like potato salad. <laughs> potato salad. Potato <laughs> salad. <laughs> no, like I feel very positive that this came from like craft services or catering or something. And they were like, we just need food that can look like party food. And then, like, all of these extras can eat afterwards. And they were like, well, since you have 50 extras, here's your industrial-sized French onion blue cheese dip. (laughs) It was like – it was like they were trying to make it guacamole, but they accidentally put a black and white filter on it. Yeah, it just, (laughs) like – I felt bad because I know Donna was talking and she was seeing Griffin and like repeating herself and like it was supposed to be a whole thing. And I was just like zoned in <laughs> on the dressing. Whatever it was. Yeah. We'll never know. It was interesting though because so um, Kelly and Donna are talking about Griffin who we don't – well, I guess Kelly knows it's Griffin. Donna knows – because Kelly now told her who he is, but we don't know. The audience knows this is the guy that Felice is going to set her up with because this is a TV show. But Donna doesn't know that. And they're all, like, distracted and stuff. But there's this thing that happens where, like, Donna um, keeps saying he's gorgeous or something like that. And Kelly is like, well, why don't you go say hi? And then she's like, well, if you don't, I will. You know, like, I'll say hi. And it made me think I just watched this Friends episode where – Monica and Rachel see Jean-Claude Van Damme 
And Monica's like super nervous to go say hi to him. And Rachel's like, well, I'll do it. I'll ask him out for you. And then she gets the date with Jean-Claude Van Damme. (laughs) So I was like, Kelly, no. Kelly, stay away. (laughs) Kelly, you have a very short king sitting at home waiting (laughs) for you. Exactly. And like, to go back to this idea that the audience knows like, oh, it's a very gorgeous junior whose name starts with a G. Like, it's Mm -hmm. very clearly going to be the same guy. They really like making Donna stupid, don't they? Ugh, I know. Like, they, like, between this and then I was listening to that podcast episode about Mr. Walsh Goes to Washington where, like, they talk about how Donna, like, got into the limo and had to see them in, like, levels of undress with the condom wrapper on the floor to put together that they were having sex when she was standing outside the locked limo being like, let me in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just it's like they're trying to make her naive, but it's not naive, it's just stupidity. Yeah, and you know, good for her. She acts her butt off and like Tori Spelling can pull this off. True. But yeah, they they make her a little bit dumb. Yep. And so then later on, like they're getting ready for the party. Um and there's more Claire stuff. Mm-hmm. which we'll get to because then yeah. I guess the next scene is like they're at the keg they're- house now they're at the party yeah and Griffin introduces himself to Donna and this is about the time that I realized he looks like John Sears but not it's the like, hair it's the hair and like a little bit of the jawline mm-hmm. and so it's just like it's a little weird but it's fine I can live with it. Well, and this actor to me looks really, really familiar just in general. And I thought he was this guy that I believe was in Dawson's Creek, but it's not. He's just a guy that looks like him, Um, but who he actually is, which is so crazy. Oh, my God. I just made this connection. He was an All-American, that new football show on CW. But guess who his ex-wife is played by? Who? In the show. Lucinda. Yeah. I just put it together. But yeah, Lucinda. So there's this guy named Asher, and he's one of the students, and his parents are divorced, and his mom is Lucinda, and his dad is Griffinstone. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. I just put that together. I know. I'm not like – I'm going to take a picture of myself as Charlie Day from (laughs) It's Always Sunny. Like, it's all connected. It is, though. Like, you mean to tell me now all my Beverly Hills 90210 stars are getting jobs on the CW, my my favorite network? (laughs) Yes. Yes, they are. Oh, man. So who did you think he was on Dawson? I don't know if you've gotten there yet, and I truly cannot remember – what is like I was trying to think about this earlier and that was the other problem is like I couldn't remember this guy's name Mm -hmm. because he's not like a main character but I think he I think he's in the college years okay then yeah I haven't gotten there yet like I would know it as soon as I saw him but I'm only partially sure that he was in like that's who the the person I'm thinking of is I'll I'll have to I'll have to find it because I want to say he hits on Joey at one point and maybe Jen I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. Jen is hanging out with the kid who's in funny games, and I don't like him. Is it Henry? 
Yes, I don't like Henry. Oh, okay. Well, anywho. <laughs> anywho. Griffin and Donna are dancing, and he starts making some, like, innuendos about indoor sports, and sweet, powerful, self-confident Donna, like, is ready to bail, and she's like, I'm not doing that. Like, this is not what I'm here for. You can find yourself somebody else. And then, like, doesn't straight out say she's a virgin. She says she's a good Catholic girl, and then he's like, oh, I'm a good Catholic boy, or what, do you want to, like... Uh, quiz me on my catechisms. Which I am not a Catholic, so I don't always understand what being a good Catholic means. Because I know in the literal sense, like you go to mass, you've been confirmed. Like there's things that you do to quote unquote be a good Catholic. But also there's the stigma or there's the the thing of which being a good Catholic girl is like, no, you're also a wild child or something, right? Like you might look innocent, but you're actually, like, not. And then I've never heard good Catholic boy because I just don't know if there's an actual – like, like I know nothing about if there's an insinuation there. If it's a legit thing, I don't know. When you're Catholic, you'll hear the phrase good Catholic boy, especially, like, when you're in high school and you start dating and you have family members and aunts and uncles and they're like, oh, yes, blah, blah, blah. So-and-so is with a good Catholic boy. <laughs> I but don't does know why it they mean... have that accent. <laughs> <laughs> good Catholic boy. <laughs> but does it literally mean like he's a good kid or does it mean he's a wild child? It, I'm pretty sure it just has the one meaning like that's a good catholic boy like he goes to church and maybe Got reads it. his bible sure sure okay Got i just, it. i don't know i gotta be honest i don't trust him oh i don't no. either that's that other thing of like i can't trust anybody in this damn show because it's a teen drama right and like yeah just him saying i'm a good catholic boy while he's at a frat party like mm -hmm. and he's in keg house so like from what i've seen of the keg brothers like i i don't trust it yet you got to actually prove to me that you're a good catholic boy like if we you know skip ahead a couple weeks and he literally is like oh i'm in church so i can't go to brunch with you i'll believe it yeah exactly or he has like a younger sister who is getting her final like confirmation thing or whatever and that's why he can't go out with donna like that yeah sure then i'll believe you yeah yeah, he invites Donna to dinner with his family, and they say grace before. Like, there's got to be something. Right. Like, I, I need to proof, like, sir. See it. Yes. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have been burned by someone who said he was a virgin and then was having sex in the back of a limo uh, multiple times. And, like, we all need Donna to be happy. Like, that's what we want. That's what we need. If nothing else happens on the show, Donna should be happy. An angel on earth, if ever there was. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, I mean, presumably, like, you know, she even says, like, oh, yeah, I just want to stay here and keep dancing with you because he says something like, oh, did you want to go somewhere and just talk? Like, that's all I really wanted. They keep dancing. Night ends. She goes to her mom's house tomorrow. And then there's, like, a very short little, like, lead up to it where his mom is at the door and, like, they only open one side of the door mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, he's not here yet. And then they walk two feet in talking about muffins and then he, like, is at the door and Donna's like, oh, my God, it's you. <laughs> I never saw this coming. And then, yeah, he's, he's like, 
let's get out of here. And she's like, you just want to leave? And he's like, no, we're going to go say hi to your mother and then we're going to leave. And see, that's a little bit of proof. Like, at least the boy has manners. Yeah. And like, you know, to be fair, they go to the beach and then when they get back to the beach apartment, like, it sounds like he drops her off at the door and then goes to find parking so that she doesn't have to walk. So, like, he's doing some gentlemanly things. But, I mean, yeah. the, whole, the whole point of that was that so they, she could walk in, like, act totally normal with David, and then Griffin walks in shirtless and tan and a junior and world-traveled, and they're going to go change in her room. <laughs> That was the thing that I was more like, oh, wait, wait, what, Donna? We're, you're going to go, you're going with him so he can change in your room? You're going together? Donna. <laughs> I promise you, like, she put him in her room and then, like, went into the bathroom and was just like, well, I can't go back out now. Claire and David are there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Um, I mean, that's it about Donna, right? Yeah, other than the Claire scenes. Yeah. So, speaking of Claire... Claire uses the computer to turn a man's face into a dog's face. Speaking of a dog's face, David comes up to her like, <laughs> who put this cute girl in my media class? And Claire's like, you mean my media class. She impresses David with her plans to double major in French literature and physics with a minor in communication. Impressed enough to ask her to help him with his school TV show. Claire brings home a camera and films Donna and herself swashing paint, trying to decide on a color. They talk about the cute guy that Claire met at media class and the dork Donna used to date who used to be glued to a camera. Claire invites Donna to work on the campus TV show with her. So they go do that, and then they realize that both those boys that we're talking about were David. Donna's like, you can have him. Bye. Claire finds out about David and Donna's past and learns that she's living in David's old room. Claire apologizes to Donna for the whole David thing. We see Donna in three outfits and then the fun jazz solo cup-esque walls they have now at their apartment. Claire and David try to hang out, but it's not great. It's a weird situation. Later, while storyboarding for their show, Donna announces that she'll be working with them after all. How fun. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a great little like love but not love triangle. Oh, I am here for it. I think it's because, like, Claire is just volatile enough to make it work. You know what I mean? I think so. Because, yeah, like, I can't really see David with anyone. And I feel like, you know, especially having him having dated Donna for, like, two years in the past, it's going to be really hard to, like, have him do other things. Right. When they put so much effort to put him in the friend group in the first place. Yeah, totally. So he's got to be connected in some way. And yeah, like Claire is the perfect catalyst to mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, she's she's just fun to me and unpredictable. Like she's predictable but unpredictable. It's like because I genuinely thought she was going to try to sleep with David. I didn't expect her to just be like, mm, nah, we're good. See, like, I would totally buy her doing some sort of, like, a slow game or, you know, there is still the Brandon card in there. That's true. Not not convinced that she's just, like, 
it could be two things. She could have literally just been like, oh, I'm over you. Like, I'm literally done. I don't care. Whatever. Or like, I am laying everything down and I am coming for you. Right. Exactly. And so we start off like Claire's at the computer lab. She's literally turning a guy into a dog. And David approaches and thinks that she wrote the program, which, okay. Like, if she did write that program, that would be pretty sick. I don't think she'd be in college right now. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down Claire's in a computer lab inventing Animorphs. <laughs> oh, my God. She totally is. She, like, instead of doing the full upright, she just did the face. <laughs> and she's like, I'll work on the body later. <laughs> she's working it. She's got a double major and a minor. She doesn't have time to do the full body in one day. Yeah, she is full on, like super brainiac like no wonder she was visiting like columbia and stanford and like all that kind of stuff how she ended up at ceu is beyond me but yeah she's majoring in her, french they gave her a scholarship yeah that's true they gave her a full year worth of credits oh right 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 that's right yeah so she's able to major in french lit and physics and a minor in communication this girl is gonna be well rounded and, like, I kind of wish they had given her a major in something with some of the other characters. Right, like psychology and physics or, I don't, pre-med. I don't know what anybody else does. Oh, yeah. Pre-med. Okay. Yeah. I was just letting, sitting here thinking, like, what does Steve do? Astrophysics. She's going to have I, astrophysics with Steve. I feel like. <laughs> Steve is literally getting, like, the most generic degree possible, and I don't know what it is. Like, literally, I think it might be called general studies. Like, that's what yeah. it used to be called. <laughs> yeah. He is, like, just going to have enough credits that at some point they're like, just leave. Yep. Just, you're done. But, yeah, Claire and, then, and David have this weird back and forth, keep using the words major and minor, when David asks her to do something for the TV station. Yeah, and, like, they're definitely flirting with each other, but, like, she didn't seem into it, and I'm not into it. <laughs> and, like, he literally, he was like, what's your major? Right. Like, the classic, like, hey, I'm David. What's your name? What's your major? <laughs> You're not a freshman anymore, David. Come on. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and, yeah, so, like, they, you know, talk. They agree to, like – you know, hang out and he shows her the TV station where he gives her a camera. Apparently he just lets her rent one or, or check one out or whatever you do. Yeah. Which is like, I feel like kind of a David thing where he's just like, I don't know, let it, that actually that's a Steve thing. That's not a David thing. That's true. But it would be a David thing to be like, yeah, you just point and click or like, what you know, it's not hard. I did it all through high school, but he didn't say that. Well, and then, like, if she doesn't do it right, he'll just tell her why she didn't do it right and, like, mm -hmm. lecture her on it. But, like, at first he's like, no, it's just easy. You just do it. No, you did it wrong. Exactly. Um, but she takes it home. She sets it up while she and Donna are trying to, like, paint, I guess, like, an accent wall on the beach apartment. Accent corner. Yeah. Accent nook. I don't know. <laughs> And the only thing is, like, I know they were talking this whole time and they were, like, doing the whole, like, we're going to talk about the same person and not know that we're talking about the same person. But Claire paints the wall green 
or paints it yellow and then immediately goes over <laughs> it with green. And like that would come out of like baby poo brown, right? <laughs> no, it would be like total throw up color. Like it would not be pleasant. <laughs> and then they go with it. And yeah, I was they're like, like well, yeah, this I mean, works. <laughs> it actually looks good the way you did it. And I really like it. But like that's not how paint works. Yeah, exactly. But what's uh, funny is like Felice calls while they're talking and, you know, Donna tells Claire about the blind date or whatever. And Claire's like, blind date? I'd rather eat grass. <laughs> I wrote that down. I chuckled. Did you, did you also see that Brenda has – or Brenda. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> oh. Only. Uh, Donna has her jean shorts rolled down. <gasps> I didn't. Dang it. Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah. Like, just like Valerie. She okay. just got them rolled down. That's so strange how that's like a thing to do. I had no idea. Me neither. We're learning so much. Yeah. And, you know, they, they're they acting, you know, really cutesy and friendly. And Claire ends up inviting Donna to come to the TV station tomorrow to check out her new guy. That they're both talking about David, but they don't realize they're talking about David. Right. So then when they get to the TV studio, Claire – first of all, Claire calls them, like, techno-dinks, which – yeah. That was kind of an interesting word. I hadn't heard that before. <laughs> Claire fan fascinates me. I, I know. She's an enigma. I bet her and Peyton Sawyer would get along well. But yeah, so Claire like calls dibs on the quote unquote cute guy and then says that he's, I guess, cute in the buzz cut big footed kind of way. I just, ugh, it makes me so happy that Donna sees him and is just like, you can have him and just leaves. Yeah. She's like, um, okay, I know him. Bye. Mm -mm. Yeah. She's like, no, I have put enough, I've put up enough with all of this toxic bullshit. I'm not doing it anymore. See you later. I'm out. And then Claire ends up talking to David, mentions that she lives in the beach apartment and he's like, oh, you're in my old room. And he, like, kind of says what happened between him and Donna, but, like, really doesn't say what mm -hmm. happened between him and Donna. And so Claire's like, oh, so I'm living where you used to live. Well, at least I don't have to give you directions. <laughs> Which is such a Claire thing to say. It's so good. Mm -hmm. And, like, uh, I really – there's no reason that David would be like, oh, that's my ex-girlfriend that I cheated on right. several times. Like, there's no reason for sure. him to, like, go into the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But, I, like, I really need someone to just tell Claire. Right. And, like, there's even an opportunity for Donna to kind of tell her, even though it's, like, not necessarily her job to – it doesn't matter who tells her, I guess. But, like, Donna's getting ready. She's trying to figure out what to wear. And then Claire comes in to apologize for what went down at the TV studio because she said she didn't know, which, you know, I don't really think there was any apology needed because no. Claire didn't do anything wrong. But it's nice that she cares enough to be like, hey, look, I'm sorry if I stepped into something here. If there's drama, like I like I really didn't know. I didn't mean anything by anything. Yeah. And I appreciate it. And like, you know, it it does sound like she is trying to figure out what's happened because I guess she is developing a crush on David for some mm -hmm. reason. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because Claire has now skipped a grade in college and David skipped a grade in high school. So like they are the two younger ones. 
true. Very I true. guess. But she ends up following Kelly into the kitchen and asking, you know, what the story is between Donna and David. And even Kelly, like, kind of tells her but doesn't really tell her by saying that Donna is a virgin and David used to be. Right. Which is, like, you can put two and two together and hear, like, one of them is, one of them isn't. They dated since high school. Put that put that together. Yeah. But, like, it still doesn't say, like, he cheated on right. her. Right, it's right, It's just, like you know, skipping back a bit where he broke up with her because mm-hmm. she was a virgin. Exactly. And then I really appreciate this little back and forth that they have where she's like, Kel, what do you think? Is it true what they say? All's fair in love and war? And Kelly says, I don't know. I never fought a war. Dude, that's so untrue though because her whole love and war situation legitimately happened just two, mere two years ago. <laughs> That's a little Irish in there. I know. I tried to do it on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, you've absolutely, you have an answer to this question, Kelly. Don't just try to evade it. Like, come on, girl. (laughs) But, and like, but it's quippy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate the banter. I just like to, like, rib on it because it's out of anybody in this show, (laughs) she was the one to be in love and war. Yes. And then, you know, she and Donna eventually leave after Donna has put on several cute outfits. Mm -hmm. I think the black one was really adorable and she could have stayed there in the first place, but. Agreed. Whatever. And then after they leave, David comes over so he can see Claire. And he, like, tries to make sure that, like, Donna and Kelly aren't there. And then he starts feeling weird. And he's like, "I, I can't do this. I don't want to hurt Donna. I've done enough of that already. Of all the beach apartments in all the world, you had to walk into this one. And then Claire's all like, well, location, location, location. <laughs> so quippy. So yeah. fast. Claire had some really, really good lines in this. Because she also says like right before that that she's not very good at being good. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that should be your bumper sticker, Claire. <laughs> Well, and, like, when he starts talking about Donna, she's like, well, there's three sides to every story, and then there's the truth. Like, Mm -hmm. she knows she hasn't gotten it all yet. Exactly. Yeah, she's aware enough to understand what's going on, but that doesn't necessarily mean she wants to, like, stop hanging out or stop, you know, investigating or whatever. And to be fair, they don't stop hanging out. Like, they, I guess, decide to try and have a platonic friendship of course, the next time we see them, they're sitting on the floor together at the ba- the base of the couch, and he's got his arm around her, and they're looking at uh, storyboarding for the TV station, like, all close together, and, like, doesn't feel very platonic to me, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. So they're... And it, and it also felt like while they're... Like, Claire was, like, explaining this shot and explaining this thing, and David's, like, half-listening. Because it seemed like he was a little distracted by the fact that she's that close to him. And, like, you know, I, again, I rib on David, but, like, these are two attractive single teenagers who, like, don't have a shared history with each other. And, mm-hmm. like, this is a teen drama. They're not going to really give a shit about the other people, even if they say they do. Exactly. So, like, yeah, I I can totally see something building here. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just Claire, like, working harder and harder and harder to insert herself into the friend group so that she can destroy Brandon for turning her down. 
Just have Claire be like the diabolical big bad of season five. <laughs> I would be okay with it, truly. Me too. Um, but we don't get any of that yet, and we still have one more person to talk about. The cheese stands alone. Dylan plays pool with his friend, long hair tattoo, who asks him about Val. Also, it's like morning and Dylan's still drinking. Val shows up at Dylan's and Dylan's like, I don't want anything to do with no Walsh. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I read that that way. <laughs> it made me think but of like, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> Also, like, I got distracted. I was like, I don't ever <laughs> write Valerie's full name in my notes. So she's just Val to me now. Sorry about oh, it. Yeah. No, no, no. She's Val to me it's too. Fair. Val shows up at Dylan's and Dylan's like, I don't want anything to do with no Walsh. And I just had to share my next note in my notes was Dylan, eggs and beer, McKay. <laughs> <laughs> eggs and kegs. That's a thing. Yep. Val lets Dylan know that her dad died and they bond over that. Val apologizes to Dylan for misleading him about not knowing who he was and eats one of his eggs. He offers her beer to go with it and she's like, what do you have that's stronger? Anyway, they literally just stay in bed and drink all day. And then in my notes I wrote, Dylan, I won't be your boyfriend, but you can't do stuff with Steve McKay. <laughs> <laughs> but then it kind of seems like it's because Dylan doesn't want Steve to get hurt, so I drew that emoji with the big sad eyes. Anyway, later Dylan goes to the peach pit and runs into Val not doing that thing he asked her to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really hit it all. Like, I feel like not a lot happened with Dylan this week because he's still at the bottom drinking and Valerie's still taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, I wrote down a couple of things when he's talking to uh, Long Hair Tattoo. <laughs> and that guy asked about Valerie and is like, girl like that, I'd care, at least for a week or two. And then Dylan says, you lose, I'll introduce you. Which clearly he won, I guess. So, <laughs> like, that was a weird bet to me. It's like, if you lose to me, I'll introduce you to this really hot girl but if you win, I won't. So, haha. Ha. Like, that's wouldn't it be the other way around? It should be. And also, Dylan lost that last game because he was buy, like offering to buy him a beer. Right. So it uh, was just a weird bet. But like, I understand the point. Yeah, like I totally get it. And then it made me think of One Tree Hill, where he's like, "If you lose, you have to quit the team." <laughs> this one's like, "If you lose, you have to talk to the hot, messy girl." <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. And then, of course, like, because Long Hair Tattoo mentions Valerie, and now she's in Dylan's head, and so she shows up at his house, and at first he's like, nah, girl, I don't like the Walshes, and you're associated. But she's like, bruh, I'm just here to hook up. That's it. And who is Dylan to say no? And I, they mention Brenda again. Yeah. I can't believe you went out with Brenda. She's so not you. And I was like... She's not this Dylan, but this isn't Dylan. This isn't you. <laughs> Why did you drop out of Yale? <laughs> like, Dylan, this isn't you. I know you. I know you better than anyone. Uh, Where is Brenda when we need her? And her three scoops of ice cream. Ugh. Like, 
she would have taken care of this. Oh, he, 100%. He would not be in this whole shame spiral with Valerie. And then exactly. it gets like it gets really like sad and uncomfortable because she brings up her father having killed himself and then how at his funeral they were talking about eggs and then they started bonding over their dead fathers and I was like this is not the people I wanted to bond over death I wanted Dylan to go bond with Brandon exactly or at least like just not Valerie yeah not Valerie because she's just messy like this girl's a messy bitch and I'm here for it for the drama but like Keep your hands off this boy. He's well, and that's the thing, too, is, like, we know Valerie's game here. Like, she's not in this to bond. She's in this to, like, be messy and manipulative and just get whatever it is she wants. Yeah, which, like, literally is what happens. Like, you know, they stay in bed all day drinking and banging, and then Dylan is just, like, you know, Steve is a friend, which – I feel like, no, he's not. You guys never like each other until you do, but then you really don't. Mm -hmm. And he says, like, I don't want to hurt Steve, and I'm not boyfriend material. And then, like, in the light of day, the next day or – yeah, I think it's the next day because she went to see Dylan instead of go to the frat party. Mm -hmm. She's at the Peach Pit. Steve shows up. She lies and says she didn't go to the frat party because she was tired and then I'm sure you were, girl. Right? <laughs> like <laughs> when Dylan and Valerie were in bed together, they were like making jokes about or not making jokes, but like they were basically like, Dylan, I'm not the guy who's gonna go play miniature golf. And then when Steve tells Valerie that like they have to have a makeup date, she's like, Oh, do you like miniature golf? Mm-hmm. And Dylan's just like right there and well, and what's interesting too is like when Dylan, when they were in bed and Dylan was like saying how she doesn't, he doesn't want to hurt Steve and stuff, he then calls Valerie a bad girl. And then Valerie says, well, it depends on who you talk to, which is like her whole game. That's her whole game. She is bad to who she chooses to be bad to and in front of. Yeah. Cause like truly, if Dylan told anyone what was happening with Valerie right now, no one would believe him. No one has seen this. Exactly. And I kind of love it just because that's like full on stir the pot, make some waves kind of drama that we are here for. Yeah. And the only other thing that I want to say about this scene is that when Dylan walks in and he sits down, Nat says he looks lousy. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you do. He does. He poor baby. Steven Chuckles. <laughs> Steven Sanders. Oh. But yeah, so we basically, like, I mean, we talked about all everybody in the episode, but the way we ended was just Brandon kind of doing his last thing of, like, he's not going to give up the presidency. And he's going to mm-hmm. run, or not run, but he's going he's gonna to do it. He's going to not be a lame duck. He's going to be a cool duck, and he's going to be the president. <laughs> And I don't think we mentioned this while we were recording, so I just want to go back to the party with the frat pledge, who was Frank from Miss Congeniality. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. The, the actual terrorist, who we all just thought was Miss Morningside's just very, you know, putsy kind of son. 
and was also in Veronica Mars and in Charmed with Shannon Doherty. And this man has had an illustrious career. He's been in just about everything, it feels like. He really has. Like, I very much had to limit what I mentioned from his IMDb page. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I can't not say Miss Congeniality. I have to say Charmed because of Shannon. And I just really like Veronica Mars. <laughs> Completely fair. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think, I think we've covered everything. This is a pretty depressing episode. Gotta be honest. Yeah, there's some, like, good banter, but for the most part, it was a pretty sad episode. Yeah. No, like, I feel like everyone is, like, on the downward slope or, like, at the bottom. Like, Brandon's starting to come back up, but, like, he's still pretty far down. I feel like the only one that's got something good going for her right at this moment is Donna. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. And only because we assume Griffin is good. Like, I still don't trust him, but, like, Mm -hmm. presumably – Donna's got something going for her. Yeah, we are hoping for the best here. Yeah. Um, All right. Guesses for quote of the week. See, I I don't know if I want to go quippy or I want to go like a good quote. So I think I'm going to go with – okay, I have, I have like three. <laughs> One, tell it to a judge. Alex Diaz. Okay. Two is, Kel, what do you think? Is it true what they say? All's fair in love and war? I don't know. I never fought a war. Good, good, good. Three, also Claire, there's three sides to every story, and then there's the truth. Also good. Okay, first one. You can have him, Donna. (laughs) Oh, um, this is just a one-off from Val, but she says, I'm not that innocent. And I'm like, that is also a Britney Spears lyric. I almost picked that because, and I almost said it when we were talking about it, where I almost legitimately said it as it were a lyric, but then I didn't. Yeah. I've had Britney Spears stuck in my head for days <laughs> because of this. Um, I think that's all I wrote down except for I did write down, um, the, all's fair in love and war and then i don't know i never fought a war (laughs) cute kelly um all pretty great quotes if i do say so myself but my pick is blind date i'd rather eat grass (laughs) by our girl claire i just chuckled i was close i thought it was gonna be a claire yep she like she's a great She's just a walking, like, quote machine. She really is. She's so smart. That's why she got to skip a grade. That's right. Mary, did you have a moment of the week? God, like, I didn't even think of one because this one was really sad. But God, um, okay, so (laughs) I feel like it's gotta be Dylan Eggs and Beer McKay. (laughs) He had, like, a whole bowl of eggs <laughs> like it was a lot of eggs it was Very a lot many. of eggs and like you need protein but i guess i've never really thought of hard-boiled eggs as depression food no like because there's it's not like it's complicated to to make i guess you just stick them in some boiling water for a while but like he had like a cool dozen in that bowl of his <laughs> well and i get the feeling like watching water boil like 
having to literally like watch it and like stand next to a pot, it like makes everything last so much longer. And when you're like drunk and hungover and depressed and all that kind of stuff, like the last thing you want to do is stand at your stove with a pot of water. That's true. That's a good point. So yeah. interesting choice. <laughs> Maybe yeah, that dip was egg salad and these were the extra eggs. <laughs> I I mean like same thing. It's literally like food came from craft services and they were like, what do we have that Dylan can be like doing something with <laughs> that like we can work into the script and like have valor like what does a depressed person eat that you would also eat at a funeral? <laughs> Hard boiled eggs. eggs. <laughs> Easy decision. <laughs> I I wonder if like originally it was egg salad and they were like no we can't have Dylan just eating a bowl of egg salad we have to cancel the egg salad <laughs> right. I want a bowl of egg salad but mm. I don't want to eat it on camera right <laughs> it's it's too much like you can't say your lines with a mouthful of egg salad <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's next week next week we've got season five episode five rave on it's going to be Valerie and Dylan doing this unhealthy drinking and barring and maybe partying okay. thing. Steve's party part two. <laughs> <laughs> party till we pu- puke theme party part two. Steve's party two and then he gets in trouble again <laughs> yep. and then gets out of it again. Yep. End of episode. Well, we'll find out next week. Yes. Um, and until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back to Podcast. You can also sh- – sh- man, now I can't talk. You can also shoot us some emails about your thoughts on various things that happened in these episodes, what you like, what you don't like, what we can do better, what we do good, and by good I mean well, and mm-hmm. any other musings that you have, just send them over to our email address at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And speaking of email, we do have one. It It is one telling us, not necessarily like telling us that we're wrong, but like not in a mean way and like correcting us and like just giving us more information about something we don't have. Yeah. So, and I hope you're okay with me saying your name. I'm just going to say your first name. But And also, I love your name. I'm obsessed with it. She's one of my favorite characters in Legends of Tomorrow. Amaya. Um, great name. So just to give you guys some background, you know, we had talked, I think, a while ago in an episode about just... Oh. I think it was uh, episode two. Episode this two? Okay. Yeah. So in episode two, we were kind of musing on how... David's kind of lifestyle, right? Like his the way he dresses, the way the music he's into just kind of, you know, a little bit about David. We were like, you know, are they trying to make him black? And we didn't mean like literally, obviously. And obviously we wanted to take this as like a very, um, you know, sensitive topic because we're three white girls. What do we know? But we were just kind of curious, like, were they trying to go in a direction of showing, you know, a different culture, but they didn't have a black guy or, or something like that. And it was just kind of interesting. I don't know, Ariel, if you want to comment on that. Well, and it was the same episode that Deshaun and the basketball team were at the debutante, like, event, and then Felice had her whole, like, racist, but I'm not going to say I'm racist because I'm not racist, like, thing that she Mm -hmm. said and made it very clear 
what she thought about Donna's friendship with Deshaun. So we were just like kind of trying to like make a contrast between David and Deshaun that I don't think is actually there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so thanks to Amaya, we got she sent a couple of emails basically just saying like, no, they're not trying to do that. Right. And and she even says as a black woman, there are plenty of white people who are genuinely into that, which of course they are like, absolutely. Like, of course, yeah, there's there's no like line of like, yeah, you have to be one or the other. And, you know, she says like Brian Austin Green was really into rap, like he had a rap career. They, you know, if you I guess there are interviews with the costume lead costume on 90210 saying that like they tried to bring in clothes that fit the actors as well as the characters. Yeah. Which was actually really cool. And I didn't know that, like, I didn't know that wardrobe and and the writers and, and that they took that genuine interest in, in the actors and wanted to bring that forth. So, you know, for example, um, there's, uh, she sent another, Amaya sent another email, basically, telling us that and sorry I'm trying to scroll to it but they brought they did bring in a lot of the, a lot of the interests of the other characters and like even like Luke Perry liked horses which is freaking adorable love Luke Perry you know Brandon they or, uh, Jason Priestley really enjoyed hockey so they brought that into Brandon's character and things like that so that was um just another example and and so I actually think that's great insight and uh, kudos to the staff for wanting to kind of meld the character and the actor together just to bring some relatability and stuff. So, so yeah, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Amaya, we really, really appreciate your emails and, and absolutely your insight because that's stuff we don't know. And we probably should have done more research and background as per usual, but um, yeah, we really appreciate the, that all of your thoughts, all of your insight. Um, and yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, that's like we're growing and we're learning and I like we're still growing and learning. We're not like, oh, we've totally figured out this podcast game. Like, no, we haven't. No, we're we're working on it. We're getting better at the research. And like, you know, there are things that we love to hear from other people because they're telling us stuff that we didn't already know. And I love to learn. I love podcasts. <laughs> Let's keep talking. Yeah. And like, of course, never be afraid to tell us like if we're flat out wrong or if you just have a different opinion. Like we want to know that because we're not the experts by any stretch of the imagination. We just this is just a hobby. So <laughs> so don't be shy. Don't hesitate. We love it. Um, we love you. So thank you. Yeah. So, you know, keep sending us emails. Um you can do it in a more public place in your podcast app. You can rate or review. If you leave us a five-star rating and review, we'll shout you out on the podcast. Um, doing stuff like that, subscribing, et cetera, that helps us really get seen, opens up the community to more people who then can also tell us things like growing and learning. I'm just going to stick to that. That's my new phrase. <laughs> Welcome back to West Bev, where all we do is learn and grow. <laughs> We're, we're going to college. That's right. So yeah, do all those things. Hang out with us. Keep going. And we'll talk to you next week. And so from all of us at Back to Podcast, I am an accent nook in the beach apartment. I am a cool does of hard-boiled eggs on Dylan's kitchen table. Damn it, I was going to be eggs. <laughs> I knew it. I, I knew have it. something. I know I have something. I am a guy that turns into a dog. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See ya.